0: Well, I hope you're having a blessed Easter thus far outside of the traffic that you might have faced as you came here, and uh, it is a blessing to have you here today, and it's interesting when you think about what are we looking for when we come to worship on Easter? What are we really looking for? You know, it's interesting to think about when they went, that is, the women first, and then the apostles, when they went to the tomb on that first Easter, what were they looking for? Did you ever really think about that? We, we know the story so well. We know the story about the cross and then three days in the tomb and the resurrection that we forget sometimes what they were going through and what they were expecting when they ended up at the tomb that first Easter morning, because you begin to get hints as you read the story, if you're as if reading it the first time, or if you project and put yourself into it. Because the first thing they're thinking about is who's going to roll away the stone for us as they're approaching the tomb. In other words, they weren't necessarily expecting Jesus to be risen from the dead. And when the apostles came, after the women went back and reported... We're not sure exactly what they were thinking. You know, sometimes guys, the way guys operate, is that, well, yeah, that's what they saw, but we need to really check this out ourselves, right? So they went and they checked it out themselves. And who knows, once again, what they believed about what happened. Because questions like, who stole the body, are still lingering at this point. And they would continue to linger at some point, too, because of what the guards would go out and say because of the chief priests paying them off, what would be said. And people who wanted to discredit Jesus, what would they say? But see, that first Easter morning when the women went there and when the apostles went there, we're not exactly sure what they were expecting, but I don't believe, I don't believe that they were expecting a resurrected Jesus. You know, a lot of TV shows come out during this time, as well as articles in magazines, that want you to think about Holy Week in possibly a new way. Or in a way where scholars are telling you what really happened. Did you ever notice that? Because they're questioning what happened? They might be looking for something too. We're not sure what they're looking for sometimes. But they might be looking for something too. And there's a there's been a couple of shows that have been getting a lot of uh, attention on television. And I had several people over the course of the last few weeks ask me if I was going to watch the special Jesus, Fact, Faith, or forgery. Did you see that advertised by the way? And then in the last week or two I had people asking me, are you going to watch Killing Jesus? And in both cases I said, no, because I'm just going to get angry. And I have to confess, I had so many people ask me last Sunday, I broke down, I turned on the television And I watched both. I went back and forth. And every time I got angry at one, I'd switch to the other. (laughs) And every time I got angry at that one, I'd switch back to the other. And it was amazing the stories that were woven. There's aspects of truth and aspects of telling the story my own way. And these scholars who have their own ideas and thoughts, what we really know about the story of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and evidence that we've looked for since then in order to show certain aspects about what happened. In other words, we can't just trust the Gospels. We can't just trust the testimony of the early church. We can't just trust what we've heard as true belief, creedal belief, The reliability of the Scriptures for 2,000 years because we have to come up with these other alternatives. Why? Because we have our own agenda. Because we want to believe certain things about this Jesus because that way it makes my life easier or it accommodates my life or it affirms what I want to believe about who Jesus is. See, that way it works for me. It's all about me. It works for me. If I really believe it this way. And so people are constantly questioning what really happened then. There were agendas back then, just as there are now. Because when the chief priests paid off the guards, they had an agenda. Even though Jesus had risen from the dead and the guards testified to that, they still would not accept it because it didn't fit their mold of what Jesus should be like. Of what the Messiah should be like. After all, that's why they wanted him crucified. They wanted him out. The reality of who he is, this man who went around and did miracles and preached and taught and served, not the Messiah they wanted. And so even though they heard the witness, the testimony of the guards, the guards, not as apostles, not the women, the guards, they paid them off. And Matthew's gospel, which I read this morning during my quiet time, tells us that they paid them off so as to silence them. There are still agendas today about whether Jesus really died. Or whether he was rescued. There's questions today whether Jesus really bodily rose from the dead because that just doesn't happen in a scientific world. You know what the resurrection really is about? If you really understand it, it's about a feeling. I just want to have that resurrection feeling. That's what some people would have us believe. The apostles responded eventually because of what they felt they should do. What Jesus was really all about. Denying the fact. People who deny the fact of what the cross is really about and what happened at the resurrection. You know, I I was reading an article not too long ago. And there was a wonderful contrast in this article. And what it started with was talking about the cross. And the, and the person who was writing the article said, you know the old hymn, the old rugged cross? I don't know how many of you know that. When I was in my 20s, I had never heard that song before. Never. I grew up in a different church and they never played that song. And I did my clinical pastoral education at a state hospital in Delaware. And while we were there, these clergy that were in training and going through this clinical pastoral training, those of us that were in the program actually lived on the grounds for 11 weeks. We used to jokingly say the only thing that separates us from them is we have the keys. And during that time, we facilitated worship every Sunday morning. And there was a variety of denominations there that were doing this. And I played guitar. I know a lot of you didn't see this, but I was actually playing with the team up here just a little bit ago. They hid me in the back. And so all the different clergy in training... None of them brought any instruments. I don't even know if any of them played. So they asked me to play every Sunday as the worship leader for the chapel that was given for the patients. And one of the people said to me, do you know the old rugged cross? And I said, no. And they said, well, it's really something that people will latch on to because a lot of people know that old hymn. So I said, sure. So I learned the old rugged cross. Anyway, this article went on to say that instead of the old rugged cross, people want a new plastic cross today. Not an old rugged cross, but this plastic cross that first and foremost is collapsible. Okay? You can fold it up and hide it. You know, when your faith isn't convenient to what it is you want to do and how it is you want to live, you just fold it up and put it away is portable. You can bring it out when you need it. Like if I'm in dire straits, that's really the time we pray. That's really the time we show up at church when we're in dire straits. When we're facing our own mortality. That sometimes we can even take this plastic cross and we can mold it. Make it fit into the image that we really want this to be. We don't want a cross that represents Jesus dying for our sin. That's too messy. You know, it's kind of like what we're looking for at the birth of Jesus. At the birth of Jesus, we want this beautiful scene... With the star up there and this little glow in the stable. You know what I'm talking about? And all the animals are behaving perfectly. And it's a very clean scene. Right? Very romantic scene. It's not reality. That place was a mess. And we live in a messy world. We like Easter where we... Dress nicely, and outside of sitting in traffic, we act nicely. And it's all about the springtime and the beautiful day and the flowers. And we forget about the cross. We forget about why Jesus came in the first place because we want an easy faith. We want a pretty faith. We want a fun faith. We want an Easter bunny. Warm and fuzzy. And Jesus came, first and foremost, to go to the cross. Because we needed someone to die for our sin. The resurrection could only happen if he died first. So we needed, for our sake, for our salvation, for our transformation, for Jesus to go to the cross. And it points out what we really need. And if you're honest, life is not always warm and fuzzy and happy. Life is not always easy. Life is filled with challenges. And so Jesus came to say, I want to give you the power to overcome the challenges that you face in this life. I want to show you that there's something beyond this world, both in terms of how you live, but also in terms of eternity. I want you to experience a transformed life so that you understand the power of God's love in you and you understand the power to serve others in sacrificial love. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants from you. That's why Jesus was willing to pay the price on the cross for you. And if you think about it, if you think about it, particularly with John's Gospel in view, it says that men love darkness. People love darkness. And the light has come into the world. because in the darkness we hide in the darkness we can do what we want but everything about those last couple of days that Jesus walked the face of the earth he faced darkness that when he finished the last supper they went out into darkness foreshadowing what was coming when they went to the garden of Gethsemane, he wrestled in the garden and said, Take this cup away because he did not want to take on the sin of the world for us. Not my will, but your will be done. When he was arrested and faced his first trial, it was in darkness. When he was hanging on the cross, we're told darkness covered the land for three hours. When he died and was put in the tomb and the stone was rolled over, he laid in darkness in death. And that too is the reality that we all face. We face death. But the fact is, we deal with death all the time. Most of you, if not all of you, have lost family members, and you faced that death. Maybe friends. Those people that were close to you that you walked through as they died, and you grieved. But you don't even have to have someone that close to you to be moved by death that's around you. What about when a plane goes down? What about when there's an earthquake or a flood or a tornado? What about when we face our own health issues where we have questions about what's really going to happen with all this? We have reminders around us all the time that reminds us that at some point we face death and we have to deal with the repercussions of death and that Jesus had to go to the cross and die for us. God doesn't try to hide reality, truth from us. God wants us to face that. And if you're honest about other aspects of your life, think about how death enters our world in different ways. The death of a marriage. The death of a family or a dying family. You know, this past year, in fact, longer than a year, since I've been here over 20 years now, I have lost so many friends at this parish because I've known them for years and years. I've lost friends. I lost my mother this past year. I lost my secretary who was here when I first arrived. She was in her 90s, not when I first arrived. She taught me, in many ways, what it was like to be a rector of this place. We all lose people. And one thing I know is that I want those people in my life, my family... My friends and as many other people as possible to know the Lord so that when they do face death and they do come face to face with the Lord, they can say, I know you as my Savior and Lord. That they will spend eternity with him. That Jesus had that confidence. When he died on the cross for us, he trusted his Father. He trusted in resurrection. He knew that he would get past that point and share eternal life. He knew that part of the reason he came was to defeat the power of sin and death, but also to rise again to show us that there is eternal life. We face darkness in the sadness of our lives. I've had people, more recently actually, saying to me, I'm in a dark place. And they don't always mean I'm in a dark place because I'm doing all these wrong things in my life. But I'm in a dark place because I'm going through grief and sorrow. Because there's sadness in the world. And when Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, one of the passages we always read during Holy Week from Isaiah 52 and 53, one of the suffering servant passages, that it says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, stricken. Jesus understood sadness because he experienced rejection and pain, he was misunderstood. He was ridiculed. And Jesus looked around him and saw how people were being misled. And people were struggling. Jesus dealt with sadness. And a lot of times when we're in the midst of sadness, we feel like it's darker. It's not as light. It's not as airy. It's not joyful. And he came to bring us through those sad times. He came to lift us up. That Jesus talked about that my joy might be in you and your joy complete as we come through these difficult times. That we know this life is not the end. And pain and suffering is not the end. That there's life and life eternal. There's darkness in sin. How many people go down a dark path because of sin in their lives? Addiction. Life choices. Bad choices. That causes them to stumble and fall. That sin, when it takes hold of our lives, causes us sometimes to spiral. The Scripture talks about being a slave to sin, and that's a dark place. And Jesus defeated the power of sin on the cross. He came to be your Savior. He wants you to experience that transformation, that forgiveness, the letting go of guilt, the letting go of shame, and living for Him. That we die to sin, that's what is symbolized by baptism. That the power in the cross is to take that sin away. And the power of the resurrection that we celebrate today is to show us that He has that power in our lives. You know, I shared in a sermon two or three years ago of... My daughter, who was in rebellion for several years. And when she finally hit bottom, how she came to Meredith, my wife and myself, and said, I didn't realize what a dark place I had gotten to. And a transformation happened. And she's different. And we have a wonderful relationship. And of all things, she's married to a clergyman, go figure. <laughs> Change can happen. By the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. You know, I want to go back to one of those specials just for a moment. The special that says, Jesus faith, fact, or forgery. You know, there's many people here who probably think about the Christian faith as merely being about facts. It's about just acknowledging that Jesus really walked the face of the earth. It's just acknowledging that Jesus, yeah, he may have gone to a cross and died. He may have risen from the dead. But, It hasn't taken hold in your life. There's no real faith that's been activated because it's just an intellectual fact like the other intellectual facts of our world. What Jesus is after is your heart. That that faith makes a difference in your life because you take it in. You willfully submit and accept what Jesus did on the cross. And your life is transformed As if the resurrection. That you're changed. And you can come up with your own forgery, by the way. You can believe what you want. You can make it your own. But that's not faith. That's you accommodating what you want to believe. So it works for the lifestyle you've chosen. Faith is the reality of the cross breaking in. Faith is the reality of the resurrection changing you for all eternity. And it begins now. You know, when those women first went to the tomb, you know what they were looking for? They were looking for a dead body. A dead body that they were going to bring spices to for burial because they had to be rushed on Friday. But Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. I have two questions that I want you to think about. The first is the question of the angel. Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Are you seeking the Jesus that's found in the Bible, the Jesus that went to the cross, the Jesus that rose again from the dead, the Jesus that came to change your life for this world and for all eternity. Whom are you looking for? Secondly, who will roll away the stone for you. See because you can't do it. You can't roll away the stone for yourself because you can't earn your way into righteousness. You can't earn your way into heaven. We're all sinners. We all need a savior. You can't make up your own faith that's going to work. Your own agenda That won't cause the stone to be rolled away. That won't cause you to get out of that darkness. Because the one who rolled the stone away is the one who rose from the dead. That's Jesus Christ. The one who came into this world to be light of the world. And the light for your life. John's Gospel begins with, and this is life that the light has come into the world this is life and he wants to be the light in the dark places of your life in your sadness in your sin and as you face death and i don't want anyone going away here from from here today that does not know Jesus to be the light of your life. The Jesus who went to the cross to be your Savior. The Jesus who rose again to be your Lord, so that your life might be transformed and that you might live with him for all eternity. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, our culture loves a faith of convenience, a faith of ease, a faith that denies sin and often denies the reality of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. Lord, I pray this day that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring the light into our hearts into the dark places of our lives. That your light would shine. That everyone here would know you as Savior and Lord. That everyone here would seek the love you offer from the cross and the forgiveness and the power of the resurrection to live this day and every day with your light. Lord, I pray this Easter, That we would be an Easter people. And live in the power of your resurrection this day and every day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.